0: Welcome to episode 25 of Stomp the Stigma, the podcast aimed to fight the stigma surrounding mental health through education, awareness, experiences, stories, resources, and the vulnerable truth. Joining me to Stomp the Stigma today is Alicia from World of Wellness. She's here to talk all about her depression and anxiety, her journey through finding herself, generational stigma, her self-acceptance and love, and realizing that there's no end to healing, but just accepting who you are and being okay with that. We had such a great conversation, I had to split it into two episodes, so tune in next week for part two. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited that we could make this work on like
1: opposite sides of the world. I know, I can't believe you're in Canada, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been? I've never been, it's somewhere that I would love to go. Um, it's always somewhere that I've, I've really wanted to go to. It's meant to be gorgeous, and I love like ma- I like hiking mountains, and I know you've got like the most beautiful like scenery there. Um, but yeah, so it's on my list. But obviously, COVID yeah didn't make that happen this year, unfortunately.
0: Oh, you oh, definitely you. should um, make a trip. I know where I am. I'm like about an hour drive to the mountains, so it's super close. Oh, we we go on the weekends and stuff all the time.
1: Oh, that sounds so nice.
0: Okay, well, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on and being open to sharing your story. I know, I mean, I don't know really any of it yet, so I'm excited to hear all about it. And I'm really excited that we could uh, find a time that works for both of us. I know it's kind of hard um, setting up meetings across the world, but so thank you
1: no it's it's totally okay it's fine this is like my downtime overnight so it's like it's 8 p.m here now um so yeah this is like my chill so like this is the best time for me really because i'm I'm working all through the day i'm currently isolating as well so i'm having to feed the family which is not, not great oh my
0: gosh
1: so i do like dinner time at like six till seven and then have my dinner and then chill is
0: bad the- okay well let's get into a little bit of your story and your journey i mean i don't know anything about it um i just know that you're kind of ongoing in your healing journey which many of us are i mean i still am too yeah. um what is it that you have kind of struggled with in the past or i guess continue to struggle with
1: yeah, I feel like it's changed a lot from when I was younger. Yeah. I've always been a super anxious person. Um, I've always let things like get to me and like held a lot of like responsibility that probably shouldn't have held from when I was a young child. Mm-hmm. Um, don't really know where that came from. But I think growing up, I and I was very like shy. And then growing up, I kind of like liked to be in the background. And if someone spoke to me, I get very uncomfortable. I just I wasn't like. A people person I just didn't really know what to do with myself I didn't feel in a place anywhere um, and then I kind of started to like step out of it and find my own feet when I fell out with all of my friends like all of them every single one of my friends I fell out with them um, on one day I literally lost like eight best friends over like something so petty and stupid like now it feels so stupid um, because it was the first time i really set a boundary and they didn't like it and i feel like when you're that age you don't really know what to do with boundaries so a lot of people don't receive them very well so i set a boundary they didn't like it lost them all um and then kind of like found more of like my voice and who i was and then as i was using my voice and setting my boundaries and i got into a relationship um and then i got a job and then i realized i wanted to work in science so like i started university and I was kind of on a good path. I felt like my life was going off. And then when I was 21, my granddad passed away. And then I was diagnosed with a heart condition. Um, and it was all in like my final year of university. Um, my little sister was diagnosed with epilepsy and she was having seizures. And it just kind of all came crashing down a little bit. And I went to my GP and he literally, I had a literal panic attack in front of him. And I'd never had a panic attacks before apart from this one week and i was having them every day like multiple times and i had a panic attack in front of him and i didn't know what was happening and he like sat back and just looked at me as if like everything was fine so i thought okay he's not worrying i shouldn't be worrying <clears throat> and when i calmed down he said okay you've got agitated depression and i was just like what like what is what on air um and that's kind of where I see the start of like me recognizing my mental health from there. Like I always kind of had these, this like poor mental health, a poor relationship with it. But at that point was when I was like, Oh my God, what is this? And then I was put on medication for that. And I was, I I was on their meds for five years and I struggled for five years. And my diagnosis changed from agitated depression to generalised anxiety disorder during them five years. Um, I struggled a lot with therapists and then only recently really from I split it with my boyfriend of that time um I found like a really good friend group I got my dream job um really and then kind of like really settled into that and then I became like very independent in me in terms of like finances in terms of looking after myself in terms of looking after people like doing things that I need to do for me and then I feel like I've only really last year did i realize who i was and what i want and what i deserve and the things that i will and won't stand for and the boundaries that i will and won't set and like that that was kind of like the crucial moment in my life and then kind of from then on after so the past year a year and a bit has been the period of time where i'm like hey i know who i am i know what i want i know like what i deserve and what i need to do for myself and it's just been a year of challenges i feel like just like things so you're like just like okay you said you know who you are you said you know what you want so we're gonna throw stuff at you and see if you actually know um so that's kind of what's happening um currently so i feel like it's just yeah it's seriously an ongoing ongoing journey um and i think that's that's the important thing is to recognize that no one struggles with mental health or struggles in in, in life or in general and then it stops at some point and they heal and they're fine and then they just carry on with life I've, it, it never really happens like that i feel like it happens it's, it's very much a journey and a process of healing and you could heal one thing and then something else will pop up and you have to use the tools to try and heal that and then something else and that's kind of what i've figured out from my life so far is you will never fully be healed yeah. Because to fully be healed, you have to be perfect. And a standard of perfect just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It just, it doesn't exist. Yeah. I
0: like that. I like the way you look at that. To me, I know that I will never be like completely healed. It's not something that is going to go away. It's just something yeah. that you kind of learn to handle and deal with. But the way that you look at it, it makes it it um, more comforting to live with something Aww.
1: like that. I like that a lot. Oh, I love that. Thank you. for that. (laughs) I really appreciate that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have my struggles. Like I had a mental breakdown today where I just like couldn't function this afternoon. And I was just like, no, I can't do this. And I had to like really sit with myself and be like, no, like, who are you? What are the tools you've got? Like, why are you worrying about future things that aren't like, aren't happening or potentially not going to happen? And like pull myself back into reality a little bit. So I think as much as like, I have a wellness page, and I, I know about my mental health, and I know, like the things that I can do, doesn't mean that I don't struggle still, like I definitely do. Um, I get a lot of people who message me on the wellness page, and like, they'll say, oh, um, you just seem so happy, and like, positive all the time, like, how do you maintain that? Or like, because I love going to like the beach, so I'll put like beach stories up, and they'll be like, oh, this looks amazing, like, I really wish that I had a place like this to go to. Like, is this how you remain so calm? And I'm just like, if only, honest to God, that is not the case. Like mm-hmm. if only, you know, um, and it's just about being realistic. So I think I'm trying to change it a little bit, change it up a bit to show like I struggle too. And like, you you shouldn't feel alone or you shouldn't feel like, because I have a wellness page and I put all this positive stuff on that I live in this unattainable level of mm-hmm. positivity. and happiness and mental clarity because it's it's definitely not the case and my therapist will vouch for that (laughs) it's definitely not the case yeah
0: I like that I like the kind of perception of reality I guess like showing both sides of your life right and not just showing the positive stuff and the happy stuff because so many people on social media you just see the highlight reels of everybody's lives but I think it's so important to be realistic and open about the fact that it's not always like sunshine and rainbows all the time.
1: A hundred percent. And it can't, it can't possibly be either. Yeah. That's and one reason why I deactivated my personal Instagram in like February, I think. Um. And I was like, I'm only going to do it for like a month because I was one of them people who was always, I never really post, but I'm always on it. Um. And I still haven't reactivated it because I just don't miss it anymore. Because I, I was sick of seeing people just posting the positive things about their life. And I would go on Instagram or, like, a social media platform and all you would see is, like, what people want you to see. Mm-hmm. And then you'd sit in your own life and be like, oh, why don't I have that? Why don't I look like that? Why don't I think like that? Like, why didn't I do that? And you, you just get yourself in a really negative place. Yeah. And it takes strength, I think, to, like, recognize that that's what's happening and it's it's not easy to do so the best thing for me was just to get rid of it completely focus on my wellness page post like what i want to post and like real real things like real experiences and then like communicate with people like yourself and like all them other people out there who are the exact do the exact same thing like they post to help people but then also post to like inform people that it's not all like sunshine and rainbows and it, it can't yeah. possibly be yeah it's it's unattainable like completely unattainable for for it to be like that and it's it's not realistic and yeah. if someone is projecting that of their life then unfortunately they're projecting a false like story like a false narrative like they're, they're just showing you one side of the coin which is great because don't get me wrong <laughs> my normal social media my personal one, when I do eventually reactivate it, it is just the positive things in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, very few and far between will I post a thing about like therapy or yeah. like how I struggle. Um, because I just see my personal Instagram now as something that I want it to be like a high like a highlight reel of my life, so that when I have children and they say, "Oh, mum, what did you do?" I can just say, "Like, I've got this whole social media thing." like go on there and look at the holidays I went on and look at all these amazing experiences that I had because like that's what I want you to think of my life but then also show them the wellness page and be like but this is also what I was going through at the same like you can see the same timeline of posts where I might have posted like a holiday in Dubai with a cocktail like oh amazing and the next week on my wellness page I posted that like I was really struggling that week and I had a breakdown in therapy and I'm hitting a brick wall um so it's it's very much two sides of the coin
0: yeah
1: maybe i'll merge them one day i don't don't know we'll see
0: oh i love that idea of just keeping one account so that you can look back at like all of the happy things that you did and these happy times in your life i love that idea i've never thought about that but i like that
1: yeah I, i never used to so if if i went back like more than three years i'd say it's just random like selfies and which is, there's nothing wrong with it, but just like, it was just selfies or, like pictures of like foods or just really <laughs> random stuff, pictures of like, I don't even know, like my cat or something, yeah. um, just some really random stuff. And then I think from like three years onwards, I kind of realized that I don't want my social media to be just all these random pictures. I want it to be something that is kind of like a time capsule online yeah that i can kind of like dig back into in the future um and remember all these these happy experiences like life experiences i had that have taught me lessons and um, amazing amazing things that i've done with my life that i think you so easily forget so i'll just post like a collection of holiday pictures with a big caption on like what i learned during that holiday um, and that's kind of what I use my personal one for now. So it's, it's more, it's not for the people who follow me. They're probably thinking, what on earth is this? Like she just posted random things, with, like a big message about how it helped her. <laughs> like, who cares? Um, but I just, it's more for me and for like me in the future, looking back on that. And like my children, if I'm lucky enough to have them, like my children to be able to look on that. And yeah, just I, that's kind of what I use it for.
0: Yeah, oh, that's so awesome. I um I've also kind of found myself in this past year of the pandemic and just not really being allowed to go out anywhere and interact with people. You're just kind of forced to be with yourself and kind of accept who you are and learn to love yourself and and learn so much more about who you are. And that makes me so happy to hear that you have been able to find yourself too.
1: Yeah, I think the you have literally been forced to sit with yourself, like you said, like you you have no choice but to sit with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah. And really address what you want for yourself and if you want to change, then you need to take accountability for yourself and put the steps into place to change. And it's really not easy. It really, really isn't. But if there's one thing that this pandemic I think has been good about this pandemic is that so many people live on like a one-dimensional scale of their life and their world and everything revolves around that and they go out and they like go and get food and then they'll like wake up, go to work, look after the kids. but And it's all very one-dimensional, whereas being forced into a pandemic where you can't socialise with people, you can't do the things that you would normally do that Mm -hmm. keep you so distracted from everything else. You have to truly sit. And then you start seeing yourself from other dimensions and you start like viewing the world slightly differently and it just i feel like that's one thing that's been really positive about the pandemic is that people have been able to grasp different views of themselves and their lives and and the people around them to really come to like a whole conclusion on like who they are and what they want um because you're never going to get this time plan which was you're never going to get this time back again yeah. where we have to do this for this amount of time like you you're not going to get it the whole world has been stopped for a, over a year now really and you are literally never going to get the time to sit with yourself this much ever again
0: yeah
1: yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah you're like reading my mind <laughs> <laughs> amazing I um, love when you find someone who like relates because yeah. I feel like sometimes I just speak and people are like yeah <laughs> I'm like you have no idea what yeah. I'm talking about um so yeah it's so lovely to speak to someone who like relates to it because I feel like even if someone didn't relate it is what like what I say is probably what they're going through but they yeah. just don't realize it yet
0: yeah
1: because I feel like yeah if when you're so used to like not I feel like it's it's more like of an anxiety thing, like an anxious brain moves quicker. Um, So I feel like someone who's not anxious doesn't have like can't see that other level yet because Mm -hmm. they're not they're not thinking about it like an anxious person would. Um, Like my brain just grabs on anything that it can because it loves to have something in it all the time, like there's something occupying it, which tends to be about myself. So it tends to be like a look on myself to see like what I want in my life and. Where I am, um, where I want to be, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. So I feel like yeah, it's so lovely to meet someone who like relates to what I'm saying yes. and like understands it.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so before you kind of went to your doctor and found out that you had depression, did you kind of feel that like maybe there was something going on that you didn't quite understand, or was that kind of the point when you were like, okay,
1: like was that a point when it kind of all started making sense to you a hundred percent that was when it made sense yeah um I think the years before that from when I was like 18 to 21 I thought I was happy um but I think I was just distracted I was just distracting myself I had like seven jobs like it was crazy I had seven jobs I was going to university full-time I was in a relationship at that point I was just like beating myself down like I was I was running myself into a brick wall and I'm surprised I didn't see it um I ends up like I was sick all the time I glandular fever which completely knocked me out for like a year like just completely and then I ended up with like virally induced chronic fatigue after that as well because of it and I still kept going so I would like get up in the morning I'd go to university do my lectures go to the gym go to a job one of my jobs and then finish that job at like eight o'clock and then go to another one of my jobs and finish that at like 1am and then be then go back home and then eat at like 2am in the morning go to bed be up again at like six or seven and it, it was a cycle and I was doing this all like every day even the weekends I would work I had a weekend job because again like I had this massive like responsibility burden. I just felt like I should be responsible for everything. And that included like myself and my own like finances. But I took it to an extreme level. So I was like, right, I need all these jobs because I need to have responsibility in some aspect. I also need finances to fund my life. I also need like to meet people, to build skills up for like the future job that I want. And I just put a lot on myself. Mm-hmm. Um so, I think that I just it was just a distraction, complete and utter distraction. And then, when I was forced to stop when I was 21, um, and my doctor kind of put a label on it and it literally forced me to stop. And he signed me off work for six weeks, so I wasn't allowed to work. Um, so I had to sit with it, and that was where I was like, Oh my god, like, what am I gonna do? And he sent me home with leaflets about agitated depression and it was pages and pages of the like leaflets and like information and I just didn't know what to do and I remember walking home from the doctors and I would literally was sobbing on the way home and I rang my little sister and was like please can you come home she was in she was in school and I was like please can you come home because I've just been diagnosed with some form of depression and I don't know what to do <clears throat> and, and that was kind of when I was like wow like, where do you go from here?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, it was gosh. very,
1: um, that was a moment. <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. Wow. So you kind of had to, like, take that all in, accept it, and then, like, where do I go from
1: here? A hundred percent. I was just very, and I was very naive at that point where I didn't really understand mental health and I didn't understand the resources that were available and mm-hmm. I didn't understand what depression meant. At that point, I didn't know if that was something that you were going to have forever or just for a short period of time. And I just, yeah, I just sat and did not know what to do. Yeah. And my GP gave me medication um, as like the first port of call, which now I realise shouldn't have been the first port of call. But at that point in time, I had no idea and I, no one was telling me anything. So I just thought, okay, that's that must be what you do. So I started taking the medication and then, I ended up on medication for five years then because I could not get off it. So that was one thing i the kind of wish. Like I've got I've got no regrets about being on medication and I don't mind that I was on it because I did need it for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. I do just wish that there was a thing in place before the medication. Yeah. Like something there, like a a buffer thing in place or like something to help me determine whether to do that or not. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. which I feel like is missing a lot of the time in mental health situations and A lot of, like, my friends who have been diagnosed with mental health or, like, people I work with, you'd be surprised, like, how many people are on medication or have been offered medication as a first port of call. Um, I feel like it's just very, it's a difficult subject. It's got a lot of stigma attached to it, mental health. And I feel like sometimes doctors don't really know what to do. Mm -hmm. So then a, a doctor naturally wants to give you something to fix it. Yeah. So I think it's just so easy because there's so many of these mental health medications available and there's so many mental health conditions and it's so easy to give someone this little tablet that you take every day and say this is going to help. It, it's, it just makes it makes their job a little bit easier and I think it makes the person who's been diagnosed or who's been given the medication feel a bit better because they feel like something's being done mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. So you're more likely to take, take it. Um, but yeah, I just... I do think that that's because there is a stigma attached Mm -hmm. and I think that it's because there's a a generational shift where our generation, I feel like, is very aware of mental health and the stigma attached to it and is very open to to talk about it and to be open and to say this is my struggle and listen to other people and their struggles and hold no judgment against them, whereas the generation, a couple of generations above, don't really understand the whole stigma around mental health they they have a stigma attached to it but i don't think they realize that that's the case it's it's exactly the same for like my dad my dad doesn't really understand mental health and i struggle with it my sisters do and he's never really he's never he's never really judged me or said to me oh you need to sort yourself out or you need to be off medication or anything like that but he still doesn't really fully understand it um and understand how like that can impact you so much And it's just because the the education and the the conversation around it it wasn't around when he was younger when Mm -hmm. he was learning whereas it is now and i feel like it's harder to teach someone the new perspective or the perspective that most most younger people are on now than it is for them to sit with what they know and just view the generation that is now it's it's difficult to change that yeah oh a
0: hundred percent a big part of Why there is such a stigma is because it's not something that people really talk about. I mean, we're talking about it a lot more now, which is amazing, but I mean, there's still so far to go and like our parents' generation, it's not something that you ever talked about. So for me, growing up even, um, with my struggles, my family never really knew about it because that's not something that we talked about ever. And I, I love it. everything that you just said. is oh,
1: so good. Oh, thank you. I do, I do think that it's um, it's definitely like a, it's the biggest generational split that there is today. Mm-hmm. Is the conversation on mental health? There is no bigger yeah difference in the generations and their understanding of something, and their willingness to accept something than mental health. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's it's so important to even if someone doesn't really understand it to still keep the conversation going, especially with them people, because people can come around to see things like how you're seeing them and view things how you're viewing them and and understand things a little bit more. But there has to be that conversation there and it not be shut down just because someone's not really getting what you're saying for the first like one or two or three or four or five or six, whatever at times you're having that conversation. It it has to be an ongoing ongoing story because mental health doesn't have a full stop after it it's it's a continuous thing and Mm -hmm. everyone Mm -hmm. whether they like it or not just as everyone has physical health everyone has mental health and just if you don't understand mental health struggles it doesn't mean you don't have mental health or you've never had a mental health struggle you just don't understand it Mm yeah and that's the that's the biggest thing I think yeah yeah oh absolutely yeah
0: so like everyone's stories and everyone's journey is very different like somebody else could also have depression but What they've been through Could be completely different. So the same goes for like coping mechanisms and what we do to kind of help ourselves move through that so I, I guess I'm curious what has helped you kind of heal and move through your struggles, um, and has that changed at all for you over the years?
1: Yeah, I feel like it massively changed. So I feel like before I even knew about mental health, I still did my coping mechanisms, which were very, like, behavioral things. Mm -hmm. So I would, like, physically distract myself or remove myself from something or go to the gym or go for a walk, exercise, um, go and speak to someone. Like, I was very, like, behaviorally changing that Uh, and then when I got a bit older I feel like it became like distractions so like throw myself into things that I didn't need to throw myself into to distract myself so like uni or work and then when I kind of understood mental health and and got diagnosed and really like delved into it it was a hundred percent therapy like therapy has changed my life Um, and I don't think that I would be as far into my healing and grow like growth journey, as I am now, if it wasn't for therapy, like I, I just I, it wouldn't have happened. I've like been so I got diagnosed. When I was twenty one, and I'm twenty six. That's been five and a half years of this mental health battle, really. And in them five and a half years, I've had five therapists, um, which is probably more than most people have had. Um, mm-hmm. the first four weren't great me, they didn't fit. For me, they didn't work. Um, some of them didn't listen. Some of them just like give me homework. Some of them probably would be good therapists, but just not for me. Like it really just didn't gel. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until last year that I found like the therapist, <laughs> you yeah, like the like that person who is going to come and change your life.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I found her. Actually, my sister found her and sent her to me, sent her a profile to me and was like, you should really like, look into this, girl, like, this woman. I've got a really good feeling about her. Um, and yeah, it was straight away. It was like instant. She has helped me probably more in the past year and like three months or something that I've been seeing her. Um, she's helped me grow more than anyone else, including myself, has been able to and like push me into places that I didn't realize that I could go into. And like made me really ask myself, like these really hard, really brutal, and like just honest questions um, for me to like understand who I am and what mental health is about and what my struggles are about, and to really not put myself down and to not say, like, oh, yeah, so I struggled and you struggled, yours are worse. Like I did, I used to do that all the time. Um, and to really like own the fact that like, no matter if someone struggles worse, yours is still as justified and still as valid. It doesn't matter whether theirs is like, ridiculously more than mm-hmm. yours appears to be on a surface level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, therapy a hundred percent. It was a huge, huge, huge game changer for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of the hardest part is finding a therapist that you click with and that you connect with and that you feel comfortable like sharing all of these vulnerable parts of yourself with, um, I think a lot of people, or that's a good message that I want people to hear is that you don't you don't have to stick with the first therapist that you go to, um, but also don't give up if that person doesn't gel with you. Keep trying and eventually you will be able to find somebody that fits with you. And that will
1: help you in the way that you need a hundred percent i couldn't agree more i um, i was literally planning future posts for my wellness page and this is going to be one of them yeah. about like the struggle to find that person yeah. um it, it's not hard i'm sorry it's not it's not hard it is hard it's it's not easy um it's really not easy to find that person and there are so many therapists out there and I don't, what I didn't realize when I was 21 and when I got, when I first like got told like, okay, there's this thing called therapy that you can do. I thought therapy was therapy. Like there was one thing, yeah. it's one thing. Everyone does the same thing. Um, and I, I did, I had no idea that there was all these different types of therapists and different types of therapy. And I hadn't, I had no clue. I just thought, okay, I'm just going to pick one and great. We'll go with it. Um, and it's, it's not the case, and that's another thing that I feel like people don't talk about, is there's so many different types of therapy and so many different therapists, and you really have to find the type that works for you. Um, just because one, like CBT, for example, is extremely popular therapy. It works for a lot of people. It doesn't work for me at all. Like I've tried it and tried it and tried it. It does not work for me. Um, and I, it took me three, three goes to realize okay, this is not working for me, mm-hmm. um, this is not my thing. Like it, what, there's got to be something else out there. And I feel like people need to um, like know that there's so many different options available to them. You just have to look into it a little bit more. Yeah. Just like if you, if you were interested in anything, I mean, maybe this is just me because I'm a scientist and you're probably the same true a chemist. If something, in- interest, like, something interesting pops up and you want to know more about it, you're going to dig into it. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to take the surface level information. It's the same for therapy. If you are willing and you want to go to therapy, because obviously that's the first step, if you've made that step, then research it. Like, look into what kind of therapy there is. Be picky and be selective because it's so important for you to, like, pick even things like the, the gender of your therapist, the age range, their experience, their specialities. If they've seen a therapist, if they've struggled in their life. Um, like, who they've helped or, like, how many people they've helped, where they are in their journey. I, it's just so important, like, the price of them. Mm-hmm. Like, people, like, don't realise all of these things go into play. It's not just a picture. You look nice. Okay, great, I'll go with you. Or you're cheap. Okay, I'll go with you. It, it's a whole collection of things. You wouldn't go into a shop and go, oh, I really, really want to top. So I'm going to pick the one that's closest to me and the cheapest one because it's convenient and it's cheap and it's a top, doesn't matter. You wouldn't do that. you go into a shop and you pick the one that you like the most, the one that fits the best, the one that looks the best on you and you'd be yes. very picky about what you're going to get. And I feel like therapy's obviously not shopping <laughs> but you have to shop around in that sense yeah. to find that person. And I feel like that's why a lot of people don't find their, the therapist that's really going to help them the first or second time around because they don't realize there's actually a huge process that goes into finding that, that therapist you. Mm-hmm. and you have to like understand what you want even if you, write, you can literally write a list like male or female what do you want age range what you want them to have. you don't have to know all the things obviously but it can guide you in a certain direction Um, and you you'll end up maybe in a place that you had no like literally no idea i i tried everything i tried a student then i tried to really experienced therapist then i tried a older woman who i thought looks lovely on the picture <laughs> and then i tried a guy who i thought okay if i change gender and go to a male maybe he'll help and the therapist that i've ended up with now is like not that much older than me and she's trauma informed so it, it's it's completely different to all the other therapists but she works for me mm-hmm. and like you've just got to kind of go on a journey and it's frustrating don't get me wrong it's so frustrating to spend money and to spend time trying to heal and not healing because you haven't found that person like and i completely get it it's like snakes and ladders and you just keep getting keep getting bloody snakes all the time and sliding back down like you just keep coming back down it's so annoying But the whole point of the game of Snakes and ladders is that you have to get to the end at some point. It doesn't matter how long it takes. You will get to the end. You wouldn't give up a game of Snakes and ladders halfway through and go, I'm I'm not playing anymore. Like, I I just can't bother. You've set that game up for a reason that you want to play. And so you shouldn't give up on yourself. Because at the end of the day, that's the thing that's going to help you. You think will help you and you're willing to do it. Then there'll be someone that fits for you, like, somewhere someone will be out there you just need to look broaden your horizons like it's that easy but it's not that easy (laughs) yes I love that so much so where
0: are you at in your healing journey like you talked about um setting boundaries and that can be really hard especially with like friends or family and people that you're close to Um, so I guess like where are you at in your healing journey and how are you feeling about kind of your depression or anxiety or like and how has your I guess opinion of yourself or perception of yourself changed over
1: the course of that process that's such a good like group of questions I love this (laughs) Um, so um I would say that Within my healing journey now, what I thought was I would be healed. This was like a year and a half ago. I thought that I would get to a point and I'd be healed and that'd be great. And then I'd carry on with my life and potentially it would spring up again. And then I'd just go through another healing journey. Um, And then what I realized is that healing never finishes. There is no end point. You can't see the end. It's not really there. You can heal from individual aspects, but you'll never fully heal in life in general and i think that that's really important to, to notice and when i recognized that then i came became more accepting of like my journey and where i am in my life and the fact that i'll have these peaks and troughs and that that's completely okay um and maybe i'll drop therapy and pick it back up and drop it and pick it back up and that's also okay like it, it there is really no end point in your journey mm-hmm. um so I feel like in terms of like healing, I am, I feel like I've, I've healed from a lot of stuff, like I, I've, like ridiculous amount of stuff that I didn't realize I needed to heal from. Yeah. Um. But healing from some things opens up more. I feel like that's kind of like the pattern that happens. Mm-hmm. Like you'll heal from one thing and then something will pop up because of the journey that you've gone through to heal from something. Um. So I feel like I've, I've got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff to heal from. And I will obviously never fully be healed, but that's fine. Like, I'm totally accepting of that. and I'm, I'm completely fine with that. And I'm very at peace with that. And I'm excited to go through all this healing. Like, I'm excited. It excites me um, to be able to, like, get to these places that I didn't realize that I could get to and open myself up to be a person that I didn't realize that I could be and go into places that I didn't realize that, like, I could, I could go to just in in every aspect of my life really so in terms of healing I would say that and in terms of like where I am with my like diagnosis of like anxiety um so I kind of like they dropped like they said I didn't have agitated depression after like maybe like six months after that diagnosis and they told me that I had generalized anxiety disorder and honestly I'm I'm completely fine with that I don't think I was for like a little bit because I felt so called out like I was like, like it's like someone's just like ripped your clothes off in a public place and you feel so exposed mm-hmm. and I felt really exposed and I felt like someone's just like explained the reason for me and like things that I do and I just didn't like it so I didn't want to listen so I shut it out and then I don't really know what, what clicked. I think it was probably actually the breakdown of my relationship at that point where I kind of thought like no this this is me and i need to take accountability for myself and my actions yeah. because if i'm now going to be single like alone and not have like that partner there then i want to be able to sit with myself and be happy with myself and not have to rely on someone for my happiness and i think that's kind of where i thought like this is just a diagnosis it's just a, it's just a label it's just a word it doesn't it doesn't make me me it's not something that is like attached to me. It's just something that kind of follows me around a little bit, which is fine. It can just, it's in like a little cloud and it just floats by me. And it's absolutely fine. I'm completely fine with it. And I feel like that's another part of like healing. Like you have to really accept kinds of what you've been dealt with and what you've been given in order to move forward and move past that. Um, And then in terms of like accepting myself and where I am currently, I genuinely didn't realize how much, I didn't like myself. I, I just didn't like myself. I thought I liked myself, I thought I was great. Um in actual fact I wore more makeup than you could possibly imagine. My hair was always done immaculate. I would always wear the best clothes and I was in the gym six times a week. I was eating like what I thought was healthy but probably not healthy, like probably ridiculously low calories. I was I would never say no to anyone. I would go out everywhere. I would give, literally give anyone my last pound. Um, and I thought that that was my happiness. Um, and it wasn't. And only only really a year ago, I had an epiphany um, post-therapy, obviously, <laughs> where I was just like, this is not happy. This is not happiness. Like, what Like, what am I doing? And I'd, I kind of, like, dropped all of that. I dropped all the facades. I dropped all of these like barriers that were all probably not all of them. Actually, that's probably a bit of a lie. Probably some of them still stand. I don't think you can physically drop them all at one go, but um, I dropped a lot of them, and really like became vulnerable and allowed myself to become vulnerable, allowed myself to sit with the weaknesses that I have and show them to people and be more open and be like self-accepting of myself Mm -hmm. and fill spaces that I didn't think I deserved to fill but I'd fill them anyway because I wanted to show to myself that yeah you do deserve them spaces and now I'm 100% at a place where I don't need a face full of makeup and my hair to be done and to be wearing the best clothes and to drive the best car and to have a massive group of friends I don't need all of that for my happiness because I know that I can sit with myself now and have none of that and still be at peace Mm -hmm. with who I am as a person. And I think that had I not gone through the journey of healing, had I not have been that person who hides everything and has all these barriers up, then I wouldn't have realized who I actually was and like who I could become. I feel like it just opens up like so much and I, f- I still feel like I'm not there yet, I'm not fully there, I still like step back from things that I want to do sometimes because I'll hold a judgment on myself so I'm still like actively trying to push past that and to like really get to a place where I am just so self-acceptant and allow myself to do all of these things that I want to do and I do think it's probably it's probably going to take time Um, Maybe a couple of years. I don't know. God knows how long Mm -hmm. it's probably going to take a bit of time. But I just know that I I owe it to myself, and I deserve to be able to get to that place that I want to be, and therefore I know that I will get to that place because only I am able to do that, and I've done it for myself already. So, and I want to do it for myself, so I will. If that makes sense. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I
0: love that. That makes me so happy to hear that. Tune in again next week for part two of my conversation with Alicia as we dive more into her journey and her healing process through depression and anxiety. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Feel free to reach out at any time. You can contact me on Instagram and Facebook at StompTheStigmaYYC, and you can email me at Stomp the yyc at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, and if you or someone you know would like to come on, I would love to have you share your story, speak your truth, and together we can stomp the stigma.